And we plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Or ourselves, or our children, our families, our churches, and all those who are tuned in everywhere. The blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You can gather in all your public and secret places. But we plead the blood of Jesus over our homes and our churches. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in condemnation, in witchcraft, in sorcery, in occult, in rituals, it will all fall to the ground. It will not come to pass in our lives. We stand in the power of God. We stand in the name of Jesus. And we rebuke the powers of darkness. Go with us, Lord. Go before us, Lord. For you are our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us this morning. Before we pray, teach us, Lord. Teach us, teach us, so that we even know what we are fighting for. That we are not somebody who is bidding in the air without aim. We know what is your purpose. We know what is this battle about. And each one of us know what is our role in this battle in the army of God. Therefore, teach us, Spirit of God. For in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. When we stopped today for yesterday, it was, we just looked at one line that was from Judges 3.31. One line given to an incredible man of God who most Christians don't even know. They know who Shamgar is. And one line. And we see the pattern throughout the Bible. God only looks for, God can save with many of you. It doesn't matter. The only thing is that, will that man or woman stand up? Because today we are going to look at a woman. Or yesterday, therefore yesterday was a man. And these were in the strong people. These were people whom God used in their generation. The reason is they stood up. That's what the Bible says, all things are possible to him or who believes, who will stand up and protect the turf. So there was Shamgar, and we saw that. You just have to stand up where you are, where God has placed you, wherever God has placed you. In his case, from the context we see, it is in a field. Just stand up where you are and use what God has given you. Like I said, therefore, God never asks any man what he has not given him. From the great deliverer of Moses onwards, the question is, what is that you have? Okay, and when you look at Jesus, he had nothing. Born in a manger, slept out in the open when he came in the ministry, buried in a borrowed tomb, but he had one thing. A body you have prepared for me, he said. And he offered that body to his father, and that is what actually God used. He offered his body as a living and then as a sacrifice, his life he offered. So that's all God asks. Where are you? Stand up there. What do you have? Will you use it for me? And then, will you do your best with what you have to serve me? And that's why one man with an oak's goad could kill 600 men of the Philistines. And he also delivered Israel. Now we go to chapter 4. And we'll read from verses 1 to 9. Slightly problematic text today because there is a lady involved. So because when, when ladies are involved, we men who preach have to be careful in this 
this age. Though I am quite insensitive, but <laughs> okay, sensitive only has a weaker vessel. Only to those who accept, they are weak. For others, no help. <laughs> when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazer. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. She then sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinom from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Kadesh or Kadesh. So we are introduced to the next judge. But if you look at the context, after Ehud died, the people did evil and God sold them over. For 20 years they were oppressed. So between Ehud and these 20 years of oppression, we see Shamgar. So Shamgar delivered Israel. Does not mean he delivered all of Israel and he judged over Israel. That's not how I see it. He just protected his stuff and he encouraged Israel. You can fight for your own areas. Okay, so Jabin is ruling over here. And Sisera has his general. They have 900 chariots of iron. So the oppression is great. Deborah is judging. That doesn't mean she is ruling. Because we know who is ruling. Jabin is ruling. So understand the context before we jump into conclusions. This is the of the 13 judges. This is the only female judge in the book of Judges. There are three main characters on God's side, that is Deborah, Barak, and Jael. And of course, there is Jabin, but he's not actually seen. You see his general, Sisera. Deborah is more famous today than probably in her own time because it fits in with the feminist movement. Though the real heroine in the story is ignored by the safe movement because it does not fit in with their narrative, that is jail. There are two women over there, but the heroine is jail, not Deborah. But they never speak about jail because what she did does not fit in with her, with their narrative. So they pick Deborah. Understand, that's why we have to be very, very careful when we read the Word of God. We read the Word of God as the Word of God is, and don't bring in our agendas into the Word of God. Because if something is true in the Word of God, it will be true everywhere. 
everywhere. It will be true. And if it is not true everywhere, then there are exceptions. The exception does not make the rule. Okay? So you have Deborah there, and you have Jael there, two ladies over there, and they are the ones who actually, and then there is Barak over there. In 4.1, we see God sold them. Right? Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. When when the judge is dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what what does God do? He hands them over. Okay? Now please understand this. It says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's go to Joshua 23 and read verses 11 to 16. And very clear. These things are not accidental. God has said these things very clearly to them. Therefore take careful heed to yourself, that you love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer dry out these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps to you and the scourges on your sides, and the thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All I have, all have come to pass for you, not one word of them has failed. Therefore it shall come to pass, that as all the good things have come upon which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. The covenant is very clear. You obey the covenant, these things will happen. Your enemies will never be able to withstand you. You break the covenant, you will never be able to stand before your enemies. The covenant is very, very, very clear. And you will see where it says in 4.1, when they did evil in the sight of God. It says, not in the sight of men. Simple thing is that culture does not cancel covenant. Okay. Though you have a cancel culture, it does not cancel covenant. Okay. The covenant will stand. So if you use the culture as an excuse for any practice, you will remember the covenant will kick back. It will start biting you back. That is one thing that has happened to all the Christian nations in this world. There's no nation is left as Christian now. What has happened? Because they canceled covenant using culture. And what happens? It starts. God hands you over. God hands you over. Okay. Today what does he hands over? He hands over to the other nations and other people who do not believe. They get into seats of power. They start changing the laws. And who are the ones who struggle? The ones who struggle are the people of God. Okay. Because we have to be very, very careful. That's what why we are studying for. Okay. That one man one woman, one home, one church stands up and says, no, covenant will define our culture. 
with the covenant. We have this an old covenant and a new covenant. The covenant, the new covenant, the spirit of the law, it will define my culture. So what happens is God hands them over into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Jabin is just a title like Pharaoh, because you will see in the book of Joshua also, the king of Hazor was Jabin, and he had burned the city of Hazor, and now they have rebuilt it. Okay, rebuilt it, the Canaanites. So whatever they had destroyed earlier in their conquest when they were obeying the word of God, now when they started disobeying the word of God, the enemies have rebuilt it. Okay, that's what has happened. Whatever was destroyed in ancient Europe when Christianity took over is being rebuilt. It is rebuilt over there. All those demonic ideas of the Greek and the Roman age is being rebuilt. What we are seeing over there, all these laws that are being passed, is nothing new for the Greek-Roman thought. This is what was common then. But it was destroyed. When the gospel came in, all these gods were destroyed. All these ideologies were destroyed. But when people of God started sinning against God, God handed them over and now they have rebuilt. Rebuilding these strongholds. And verse 3 says, they started crying out. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord for Jabin and the 900 chariots of iron. For he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. Please remember, note, why does these revivals in the book of Judges never last? It's because they are crying out because of the consequences and not because of the cause. Why doesn't revivals continue or the voice of God continually speak to people of God even today is because they cry out to God because of the consequences, not because of the cause. When we go to the cause and we change there, then uh, then things, the effects don't matter anymore because we have starting. But that is what a genuine revival brings. And now we will see the, the what is happening at that time. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel at that time. Okay? She is judging. And her job is very, very clear. Her job profile is very, very clear. Okay? She hears from God. She hears from God very clearly. A prophet has to hear from God more than anybody else. Of the fivefold ministry, it's the prophet who cannot go wrong. The prophet goes wrong then even if the others are right, there will be no correction in the church. There will be no correction in the church. Okay, The, the prophet, prophetic cannot go wrong. So she hears clearly from, from Anno, and because she hears clearly from God, the people start bringing their issues to her. That's what verse 5 will say. She sits at a place and it is named after her, palm tree of Deborah. It's a palm tree. And because she sits there, it becomes the palm tree of Deborah. And the children of Israel came up to her with for her judgment, meaning whatever they had disputes. You see, this is what happens. So what does it tell you? It will tell you is that the priesthood has completely failed. The priesthood has completely failed that the people have nobody to guide them, to give them the knowledge of God. They have been brought to a point that God has to raise Deborah, and she's the one who judges, okay, their disputes. Now, you have to be very, very careful when you read scripture so that we don't go in with the 21st century, 20th century agendas, okay? 
if you look at Judges 3, 9, 3, 15, and 3, 31. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othiniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. 15. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. Okay, 31. And after him, that is talking about after Ehud. But you will not say that when the children of Israel cried out because of the oppression, God raised up a deliverer for them and her name was Deborah. Does not say. Okay, because God does not change his order. God has not changed his order. She's introduced as a prophetess, the second prophetess in the Bible, if I'm right. And she's introduced as a wife. And in 5.7, she introduces herself as a mother. Okay, she introduces herself as a mother. Until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. So in public, she has a profile. That is, the people call her a prophetess because she hears from God and gives counsel. But she identifies herself as the wife of a certain man. And her own profile, if you were to ask, she would say, you know what, who I am to Israel. I'm a mother in Israel. Okay? That is why I said we have to be very, very careful because sometimes we bring in our own personal agendas into scripture. Okay, and then feminist interpretation becomes feminist practice. Okay. If you look there and if you look through the Bible, Deborah is not the norm. It is an exception. If it is a norm, then out of 13 judges, you can see at least four, at least five, at least six, or no. But you never see. Among 12 apostles, you don't see. Okay. That people have to go to such such great extents to use... uh, Electron microscope to find, you no, know, but actually if we look at it, these are exceptions. And exceptions are needed. Difficult times needs difficult solutions. And we will see why there is an exception. Okay. The reason is when the land is full of weak men, God has to raise up a strong woman to show Israel the way. We will see in verse 6 and 7. She sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him. Okay, so there is clear guidance. Now, what does she say? Listen carefully. Look at what it is written. It is not, thus says the Lord. That's not what she says. Has not. Meaning you know already. You're refusing. You already know what you're supposed to do. You're not doing it. Has not the Lord of God commanded Go deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. Hasn't God said? And against you I will deploy Sisera. So both sides, God is in control. He says, you go to fight and I will raise up the enemy to come after you. And I will finish the enemy. So in spite of whatever we see happening in the world and the enemy with their 900 chariots, iron chariots, they're like iron grip on this world. Remember, God is in control. When he raises a very powerful oppressive regimes around the world, he's not asking the church to cower down and sit there. He says fearfully. He says, no, rise up and fight. Rise up and fight. I am the one who is raising them up and I give you victory. Rise up and fight. So the guidance is very, very clear. But you need to realize, if you look at these verses, it seems like Barak knew. 
And he was refusing to go. That's why she called him and said, this is what the Lord says. Have I not told you? And if you look at him, he's a weak person. Okay, It's a weak person. But that is no excuse. All these people used by God were weak people. No, there is a weakness. But after hearing from God, if you continue without moving, then God has to rebuke you using a weaker vessel. Remember, it is Pharaoh who rebukes uh, Abraham. It is Abimelech who rebukes Abraham. Okay, it's a humiliation. It's a humiliation. She rebukes him. Okay, and he's, what does he say? Refusal. If you look at that, he says, yeah. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go with you. If you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, okay, the problem is I'll go with you. But the honor will be transferred. This was your honor. The honor belonged to you. But if you say, I should come with you, then I'm, t- she, did, she probably she didn't even know how it was going to happen, but she says, this is what the Lord says. This day the honors will belong to women, another woman. It will go to a woman. Okay. It is an act of mercy of God. Understand this is because God is always interested in the deliverance of his people. It's an act of mercy. Meaning if you hit the rock, will water come? Yes. But is that what God asked you to do? No. So you will be dishonored because you did not honor God. You did not obey God. Okay. So will deliverance come through a woman? Yes. It's an act of mercy. But it's also an act of humiliation. It's an act of humiliation. And I'll tell you, Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12. Isaiah 3 and verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. What does it mean? It means when men act like children, God will allow women to rule over them. God will, no? God will allow women to rule over them. This is the problem. You need to understand. When men act like children, God will allow women to rule over them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 7. For man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. If Barak had gone and won the war, the glory would have belonged to God. That's why But because it is a woman who brings deliverance, the glory does not go to God. It will go to man. Okay, and that's why she said the glory will go to a woman today. That is not God's order. That is not God's order. Be careful. That is not God's. And you know what? The feminist narrative is blown apart by Deborah. Because she is not a feminist. She understands God's order. Understands God's order. Okay. So Barak is the type of the 21st century man. Weak. Weak men. Okay. Well, Deborah has the spirit of a mother. Okay. And she is settling the disputes of the children of Israel because all the men are children there. And she heard clearly Barak was meant to be the deliverer, but he doesn't rise up to the occasion. So we will see this is what happened. Those who have been fed on milk refuses to go into battle unless mommy goes with them. They will not go. They want mommy. Okay. If you look at the difference, why, why are we looking at these things? Because the church is waiting for 
revival restoration. If it takes place, it will be only for a short time. But the end is very close if things don't change. I'm not a prophet, I'm just saying. But if there is a way back, it will be only we go back to the ways of God. In Exodus 15, 1, 15, 1, and then 20 and 21, Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. It's Moses who sings with the children of Israel. If you come to 20, 21, no, 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 not, uh, sorry, 15, uh, verses 20 and 21. Sorry, 15, 20 and 21. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. If you look at over there, again there's a great victory brought through by God's man Moses. And Moses and the children of Israel sing. And here, when Miriam is mentioned first as a prophetess, she just sings one line. It's a refrain of what he has already sung. Okay, But in Judges chapter 5, verse 1, it is different. You know why? Because the honor goes to a woman. Yeah. You're gone to Joshua, Judges. Yeah. Yeah. And Deborah and Barak, the son of Avinom, sang on that day. The order is different. Deborah is the one who sings, and Barak is added after that. You know why? Because of the way he handled the whole situation. He was a weak man. It's a weak man. So you have Deborah, you have Barak, you have Jael. But in Hebrews 11 and verse 32, when the great ones are mentioned, you don't see either Deborah or Jael. Okay, Hebrews 11 and verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fall me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David, Samuel and the prophets. And if you look at the list over there, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, these are all weak, in so many ways useless men. Yet they are the ones who are mentioned. They are the ones who are mentioned. Okay, so please get it in order. We don't go with culture. It may look very appealing. You may get a lot of crowds if you appeal to the culture. But culture should not cancel the covenant. Your God is a covenant-keeping God. And we have to go with the covenant. That is why we have to be very, very careful. Because very a lot of people who push these agendas are after the office. And they don't have the heart. They don't have the heart. What matters is the heart. It is not the office. Okay, Even today, even among men, the issue is there after the office without the heart that is there for the office. There is an office and there is a heart for the office. And God is looking for people. When he looks for people, he first looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. It is the heart that actually matters to God to fit into that office. Otherwise, it will be like a crown on King Saul's head. He's got an office, but it's a misfit over there. First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. New covenant. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ Jesus' sake. 
For you are wise in Christ, we are weak. You are strong, you are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Now think about anybody in 21st century who calls himself an apostle. Will he fit in with 9 and 10? No, they don't have that heart. I don't know anybody. So many apostles are there. I'm not questioning their office. I'm questioning their heart. Do you have this office? Do you have this office? Verse 14 and 15. You will see the heart. This is what God is looking for. The heart. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. What is the heart there? The heart is the heart of the father. Okay, The apostle has to have the heart of the father. Otherwise, he cannot be an apostle. The heart of the father. So if you read the letters of Paul or Peter or John, you will see the father heart of God coming through them. Okay, The heart matters. The heart matters. Matthew 23, verses 34. And if you want 35 also. 34 and 35. 23. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So what is the heart of the prophet? The prophet of God will never apologize. Today you have a whole lot of prophets who prophesied something and they are all on an apology tour. They will never, they will rather die. If they have heard from God, they will say, this is what I heard and I'm willing to die and stand with what I speak. Let us talk about the prophet who came and says, so God himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall give birth. Did he apologize? That didn't happen for 600 years. He didn't apologize. Prophets don't apologize. They die. They live and die by the word. And most of them are killed because of exactly what they spoke. So you have to look at the heart of each of these people. Don't wife for a position, wife for the heart. Lord, if you're calling for me, give me that heart. If I don't have the heart of the father, how can I be a apostle? Okay. If I do not have the heart of a prophet, how can I be a prophet? Because prophets never apologize. None of them ever apologize. No prophet in the Bible ever apologize for what they spoke because they know very clearly, I heard and that is it. If you have any issues with it, go and ask the person who spoke to me. I have nothing. You want to kill me in that process? I am willing to die in that process. But I cannot go back and say, okay? No, I cannot go back and say he spoke wrong. Maybe I heard wrong. But he cannot speak wrong. Prophets don't do that. John chapter 10 and verse 11. 10 and verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Then again, the biggest group of people within the kingdom of God in ministry are pastors. And this is the pastor. This is the heart of a shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. So it's not an office that matters. It is the heart that matters. And you know, the heart of the matter about Deborah is that she's a mother. And that's how she sees herself. She's not. The women who are vying say, I'm a prophetess after the order of Deborah. The question is, do you have a heart? Can you settle dispute in your house first before you settle a dispute out in the world? 
is the question. Do you have the heart? I'm not questioning offices. Am I questioning hearts? Do we have the heart of a father? Do we have the heart of a shepherd? Do we have the heart of a prophet? And if you're a woman in ministry, do you have the heart of a mother? Because we need more mothers in the church. Oh, barren woman. Right? That's the first words right before that. More will you be your children. Why? Because she has. Though her womb has never conceived, her heart has conceived because she's got the heart of a mother. And there are a lot of women whose wombs have conceived, but they do not have the heart of the mother. These are two different applications. Two different things completely. Birthing a child doesn't make you a father or a mother. It is the heart that makes you a father or a mother. And that is what we should be after. And that is what God is looking for. So when Deborah is risk, Raised up over there. She's not raised up as a deliverer. God sees her heart. And she will speaking in her song prophetically when she speaks. She says, this is who I am. A mother. Okay. So the question is, does God speak through women? Yes. Does God use women in ministry? Definitely yes. Does God use women to lead in the home or the church? No. There is no woman priest ever in the Bible. Nobody. There's nobody called a woman priest anywhere in the Bible. Okay. There is no woman who is called to be the head of her home. It's a misnomer. God does not accept that. So you have a priest whose parallel in the new covenant would be the pastor. And that's where the issue comes. Okay. That's where the issue comes. Okay, because when God looks down, he's not seeing nations. He only sees two entities. One is called the home, the other is called the church. The question is, who will lead these two? If a woman can lead a church, she can lead the house also. You cannot have one without the other. If you say, no, man is the head of the house, but the woman is the head of the church, then there is a problem. Because all the homes that are coming there is headed by men. Right? Let us say a church with ten families. Who is head of these ten families? Ten men. And who is the head of the church? A woman. How does it fit? This is where the problem comes. This is where you now we are trying to be culturally, politically correct. Correct according to the culture. And you know the covenant cancels culture. The covenant cancels culture. And if you go to, it's always you have good to go to the beginning. Because if you go to the beginning, that is what Genesis means. Always go to the beginning. We will always see that the order is placed there. Okay? God created Adam first and Eve later. And Paul will bring that as a reason. The order. First Timothy chapter 2, 12 and 13. Okay. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. So if you ask me this question, does the pastor have authority over his congregation? Yes. Does the evangelist have? No. Doesn't have. He is a, what is a loose cannon. Okay. He does not have. Okay. So that's the issue over there. Okay. That's the issue over there. Okay, but be in silence. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. Second thing, the commandment not to eat was given to Adam. It was not given to Eve. Because God doesn't subvert order. It was given to Adam. In Genesis 3 and verse 20, 
Adam called his wife's name Eve. Eve did not name Adam. Adam named Eve. Adam named all of creation. He named everything. And he named Eve. Okay, so if you go back to the word of God, you will see the order is very, very clear. Adam was created first. The commandment was given to Adam. And Adam named Eve. Naming is very important in culture. Okay. Job profile is also given over there. Adam was put to tend the garden. And Genesis 2.18, he was created as helpmate. Okay, it is not. I will make him a helper comparable. Job profile is very. He is put in charge to take care of the garden, and she is created as a helpmate. Okay, and then First Timothy two fourteen, the Bible says, Adam was not deceived, but a woman being deceived. It was Eve was deceived, not Adam was deceived. Why was Eve deceived? Simply because, not because of what Satan said to her. It's because she subverted leadership in the home. That's why she got deceived. It's as simple as that. It's not because of what he said. What he said is because she subverted. Because she needs to realize it was to her husband, God had spoken. So when he said, has God really said, she said, let me check with my husband. Let me check with the husband. Right? Is that what happens in a church? If there's anything missing, people say, let's check with the pastor, right? Because he's the one in charge. God speaks to him about the church. So he says, my husband heard from the Lord. Let me check with her. She's no, she unitarily subverted that headship. Okay, that's where subversion begins. That when you're looking at the problems in the Christian world, we're not talking about Gentile nations, Christian world. The problem didn't happen in the political sphere. It all happened in the home. It all happened in the home. Okay. And when they fell, God spoke to Adam first, not to Eve. Though it was Eve who sinned. Okay, So order is there. Order is there. This does not in any way infer the woman is inferior to man. No. Because Genesis 1 verse 26, 27 is very clear. Order does not mean inferiority. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so it's not a question of inferiority. It's a question of order and order matters so don't confuse one with the other okay they are equal in image and in likeness so the question we have to ask is is the son equal to the father yes is the holy spirit equal to the son yes they are okay they are equal in image and likeness galatians 3 28 they are equal in their access to salvation There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to salvation, they are equal. It is not that God has to save man in a particular way and woman in a particular way. No, methods may be different, but the salvation is the same. First Peter 3, 7. They are heirs of the common salvation. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. As being heirs together, they are heirs together of the grace of life. 
They are heirs together. So it is very clear there is no inferiority being talked about there. But they are weaker. Weaker does not mean inferior. Please understand that. Okay, If I have to hold this here and the steel cup here, uh, does not. this is weaker than the steel cup because if the steel cup falls, it will not break. This falls, it will break. Does make this inferior? No, it doesn't make. Actually, it can be more costly. Okay, so that's what it is talking about. How would you honor a weaker vessel? That's what it's talking about over here. So, scripture casts no aspersions on the dignity, the intelligence, or the personhood of woman. Only thing is that, don't buy, go by culture and try to be politically correct. In the church and in the Christian home, we maintain God's order. If revival and restoration has to take place. God will not subvert order. And if he does, as an exception, you can be very clear that revival will not last. It will not last. It will be only for a short period. Okay. Deborah, on the other hand, is the actual role model for a woman who wants to be in ministry. Okay. Her first profile is she's a prophetess. What does it mean? She has a prayer life and she hears very clearly. None of her, I mean, uh, other than what she calls and tells Barak what is going to happen. We don't know much about her. But she hears very clearly. She's got a very vibrant prayer life and she hears very clearly. That's the first profile. Second, that's a public profile. Second, she's introduced as a wife. And third, she introduces herself as a mother. Now, if you go to Exodus 50 and verse 20, <clears throat> the first prophetess, Introduced in the Bible. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron. See, the parents are probably dead by then. You know, Moses' parents are already dead by then. And you will see, she's introduced there as the sister of Aaron. Okay, sister of Aaron. That's how she's introduced. She's not introduced on her own. Okay, when a woman in ministry is introduced in the Bible, she's always introduced in combination with a male. Either, usually it is a father, or a husband. In Second Kings chapter 22 and verse 14, we have another prophetess. Now, Hilkiah the priest, we leave all that, went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom. Okay, immediately it is put over there, the wife of Shalom. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 36, the last of the Old Testament line, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. Okay? She's introduced as the daughter. In Acts chapter 21, verse 9, these are not prophetesses, but girls used to prophesy. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Again, it is talking about Philip the Evangelist. They are brought in combination. On the other hand, when you had, I will just give you one example. Nehemiah 6, 14. Those who worked against the word of God. My God, remember Tobiah, Sanbalat, according to these works. And the prophetess Nadia. Okay, now she is against the work of God. Prophesying against the work of God. And when she is mentioned, neither husband or father or brother is mentioned. She stands in isolation because she is opposing the work of God. Opposing the work of God. And this is where we have to be careful. God has used women in all kinds of roles. But certain roles are excluded for them. It's not for them. Because it will, it will give them a position of leadership over men. 
and God excludes from that. And you will see she's a role model. And among the role models, if you look at Deborah, why is she the role model? If all the 13 judges are put together, she's the godliest of all, of all the 12, 13. She hears clearly from God when the others do not. Okay. She clearly respects Barak's God-ordained role to lead. Even when Barak is afraid to obey, she does not replace him. She does not replace him. She, on the other hand, encourages him by accompanying him. Hmm? She traces the leaders in 5.2 and 5.9. She, on the other hand, as a woman, right? Though she knows all the people go to her, she praises the leaders. When leaders lead in Israel, and verse 9, my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Okay? She, I mean, I mean, if you look at the influence she had, she could have been. People are so desperate, they don't care who leads them. But she knows that still wouldn't be right with God. So she's prodding and prompting all the men to take the leadership position and she accompanies them. Okay? And she also rebukes those who do not lead. In verses 16 and 17, she rebukes those who do not lead. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reubens have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on the ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. So she rebukes the men who refuse to lead, the men who refuse to come out for battle. Okay? So if you look at it, behind the victory and the rest, the spiritual rest that will follow was a mother. Was a mother. The heart of a mother. And chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 12. What is the way back? What is the role of the woman in the revival God will bring? What is that? Deborah arose, a mother in Israel. A mother has to arise. The mothers in women have to arise. Like I said, every woman is not a mother. But every mother is a woman. Okay? Okay. Every mother is a woman. The mothers have to arise. And verse 12, the mothers have to awake. If they have to bring awakening in the land. The mothers have to arise and the mothers have to awake. Why? She's basically fighting for a home. And therefore for her nation. Therefore for our nations. Okay? And that's what you see actually happening over there in the past US election. Two sets of women have been uh, elected. And you have some fiery women on the red side of the car aisle also. And they have to become, and what are they fighting for? They are fighting for what women should fight for. They're fighting for what women should fight for. Okay? So know your role, but do it God's way. Do it God's way. The reason is nobody, man or woman, can fight without God and expect victory. Can expect victory. On the other hand, victory is assured when God fights for you. Fight for you. In 5 verse 20. It's a picture there. Deborah's mouth. They fought from heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. You know? There was a battle going on earth. 
But the battle on earth was won because the battle was joined in heaven. And it will, God will not join the battle in heaven if you don't follow his order. Follow his order. If you don't follow his order, the battle won't be joined. But if God joins the battle, like you read the entire book of Joshua, they lost one battle because God refused to join the battle. God refused to join the battle, so they lost. But every other battle they won. Every other battle they won. Because God joined the battle. Here also, God is joining the battle. And they win. So any battle we are fighting at a personal level, at a family level, at a church level, or a national level, you want to win a battle, you want victory assured, then God has to fight for us. If God doesn't fight and his angelic hosts do not fight for us, then we are not going to win. But if he has to fight for us, we need to go back to scripture and say, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. That's the whole thing. The ways of God we are ignoring. You know? And if you look at nations, the powerful, powerful nations, whether it's Egypt, Rome, or Babylon, it didn't matter. All these nations collapsed before God. They were overthrown by weak people simply because God fought against them. Right? On the other hand, when God's nation does evil, They were defeated. So if you want victory, when Israel did evil in the sight of God, God handed them over. If God has to give you victory, it's simple. Reverse it. When Israel did good right in the eyes of God, you will win. Right? Because in the Bible, there is something which is called a national righteousness. In Proverbs 14 and verse 34. Right? Righteousness exalts a nation. So there is something called a national righteousness. And if there is national righteousness, there is also something called a national iniquity, unrighteousness. National. If a nation, which is named after God, has to come back to victory, it has to come back to a national righteousness. No? Sodom and Gomorrah was judged for a national unrighteousness. Right? And if you look at Christian nations, abortion is a national sin. It's not a personal sin. It's not a personal sin. It's a national sin. See, when Roe versus Wade was passed, it became a national sin. It became a national sin. See, it is not what the individual does. It's what the nation approves of what matters. Then it becomes national. Then it becomes national. When the nation changed the law and called a sin as all right, it became a national sin. Okay. Homosexuality became a national sin only when again the Supreme Court intervened. Now it's a transgender. Okay. The problem is if you don't deal with national sins in a Christian nation, God will fight against you. God won't fight for you. God will fight against you. Fight against you. you know. And what is the solution? The solution is only a national repentance. It doesn't mean it's the whole nation, but only the, also the part of the nation that seems to be believers. Okay? That's, that's the idiocy of the Christians in US. Okay, there's a group of evangelical leaders who are pro-life and they named themselves as pro-life leaders evangelical group for Biden. 
Now Biden has gone and signed with even the others did not sign of sanctioning abortion anywhere, everywhere, anytime. Now they're saying we did not expect him to do this without consulting us. Who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? National evangelical leaders for pro-life for Biden. Okay. We think our issue is, we look down and we look at it and we think our issue is the pandemic. No, that's the effect. What is the cause? What is the cause? Are you dealing with the cause? This after COVID-19, COVID-21 will come. Then 22 will come. What is the cause? What is it? We are not dealing with the cause. If there is a national iniquity, there is a way back. It has to be the nation, the church. Okay. And Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14, very familiar, but there is no other way. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Okay, there has to be a national repentance. Then I will hear from God. Then I will hear. That's why he allows Jabins to rule over nations. And in their oppression, they cry out. When they cried out, God started moving. There's no other way. No, no other way. And I believe that's one of the reasons not that Trump lost. God allowed the election to be stolen. Imagine if he had won just like a landslide the second term. People wouldn't have changed. Now they're all pulling their hair and wondering what has happened. We never expected in two months a nation would change so completely from God to anti-God. Borders are open. They are streaming in left, right and center. It's, it's totally gone crazy. And nobody knows what is happening. Every weirdo is being confirmed into different posts and everyone who is being confirmed is a radical in his own way or her own way. Nobody has, no, the nation has gone to the dogs in two months. And the president is invisible. All he does is sign papers. How many days he has been in office? Not a single interview. What has happened to the nation? And God said, you know why? You wanted Trump, but you didn't want to change. All you wanted, Trump, was you wanted economic prosperity. You didn't want to change your lifestyle. So I held him back. You want him back? You change. You change. You change. You first change. Cry out in your churches. Leave the churches, which calls itself gay-friendly and ordained gay bishops and gay leaders and women leaders, pastors, and leave them. Come out. Come out of Babylon. This is Babylon. Come out. Christians have to make it like the Methodist church is going to split within a year's time. They already started the process between the gay and the non. All these churches will split and they had to split. And because the law and its power is in their hands, they will take the positions. But let God have the people. Let God have the people. People have to make their chance and say, you know what? I'm leaving these places. I'm leaving these places. Because this is against God's order. This is against God's order. You know why? Other it is God will allow children to be under mommies. You know, when men are children, when children should become men, and men remain as children, he will allow a woman to rule over them. Rule over them. And that is what has happened. And the saddest part of it all in this, if you look at it, all that is happening in this, it is the women and the children who actually suffer. Nothing happens to the man. 
Have you noticed? With all your movements, nothing happens to the man. What happens to the man? Nothing. Who's the ones who are abused? The women. Who are the ones who are abused? The children. You bring a transgender bill, equality. How does it affect the men's sport? Nothing. Any transgender, can he compete with the men? No. He competes with the women. Who loses? The women loses. Right? A transgender fellow gets into whose bathroom? Your girl's bathroom. Who gets molested? Who gets raped? Who gets abused? It's the women and the child. What are you fighting for? How did it help you? Is the question. How did it help you? How did it help you? It doesn't help. Neither the women or the children. The weak. The weak parts of the society is the women and the children. They are the weak ones. How did your agenda help them? It didn't help them. So you should have been wise like Deborah. Push men. Pray for the men. Push men and say, you know what? You need to take your rightful position in the home. You are the face, not me. Barak, you are the one who should be indifferent. I will accompany you. I am like God told to Eve. I am your helpmate. I will come with you. I will be your helper. But you are the one who are supposed to lead and fight these battles. Right? Otherwise, you look at the millions and millions of homes in the Western nations. Who run it? The women. What happens to the man? He's walked out. He has to pay child maintenance. Big deal for him if he's got a good job. Who is suffering? The woman is suffering. She has two single mothers raising up all these children. You know? And the problem is the system, the world system has weakened the men. Men have become weak. They have been weakened by, if you look at Barak, by fear. Fearful men. They are very afraid. Very afraid. Because you know, you can't speak anything. You saw the Meghan Markle. I didn't see, I just read the whole interview. Nobody will speak against it except Pierce Morgan and he was cancelled. Because one line she used, after that you cannot question her. She implied the royal family is racist. You bring race into it, you cannot question it anymore. It's a holy cow. You cannot. A woman? Racist. She's not white. So you need to be very, very careful. Everybody. And he walked out of the steps and he still says, I stand by what I say. I'm not saying he's right. What I'm saying is that you need to realize nobody will speak. And that's why they hated Trump. Who hated Trump? The women. But who was he actually fighting for? For the women. What's he fighting for? For the women. Okay. For the women. You need to understand how this agenda, and the problem is in the church. In the church, you need to realize that. Who does, how does it affect our homes? How does it affect? We need to realize Deborah is a very godly model of women's leadership. Very godly model. Almost like a type, a human type of the Holy Spirit who is there, who hears, who speaks, who settles the disputes, who is the peacemaker over there and yet pushes the lazy man, the weak man, the compromised man to go fight your battles. Come on, I am with you. Push, push, push. And then he says, if you don't, the glory will go to women. And it is not right. She should get the glory. She should get a glory. And that's what. You know, because Barak 
refuses to take the lead and go out alone. The glory goes to a woman. That woman is not Deborah. It is Jael. And sometimes when women, when men do not take their rightful position, the women will do stuff which even men will not do. Yehuds took a dagger and stabbed. But Jael will take a peg and a hammer and hammer it down his head. Which you can never think about a woman doing. But you know why she did it? Because there was no man to use a sword. That's the way a man kills in battle. It is in battle phase two. There is a valor in this, honor in there, there's courage in there, there's bravery in there. But the way she kills is not that. Because she's not called to battle. She's not called to battle. That's not her role. She was pushed into that role by men who were weak. So there is a deception over there. There is a deceit over there. And there is cold-blooded, premeditated, first-degree murder that had taking place. Yet God delivered because it was the enemy of God's people. And this is where we have to be careful as men and as women. Stay in your God-appointed roles. There is nothing inferior about it. It is God-appointed roles. One day it's a test for us, a challenge for us. One day when rapture takes place, when the body is gone, there is no gender. But you will be judged by how you did God's work. So if a nation has to come back, if a church has to come back, the church has to come back to that order. It has to come back to that order. Otherwise nothing is going to change. It will only get worse. It will only get worse. And it will spiral out of control. Really spiral out of control. But the promise is there. Those, even when Israel went into captivity, the promise of God was there. Those who were righteous, those who obeyed me, those who followed me, wherever you go, I will protect you. And that is the promise given in the last days to the church in Philadelphia. Because you kept my word and you persevered, no, verse 12, if I'm right. 10 or 12. Look at 10, 10, 10, 10. Yeah, verse 10. Yeah, because you have kept my command to persevere. Not just because you kept my command. Persevere. In these things, you don't keep going with the culture. You persevere. Every church has ordained women. Sorry, we don't do that. As pastor, what's your problem? I don't know. Go ask God, what is his problem? If God had said, I have no issues with this. My issue is that God hasn't said. And you cannot twist not twist. Are women involved in all the ministry of Jesus Christ? Yes. Is he involved in Paul's ministry? Yes. And they have to search, bring an electron microscope to find one junior. But nobody's sure whether junior is male or female. If you go look out at some translated juniors, no fellow men, Paul says. Then they say it was a wrong interpretation and this thing and all. I mean, you could only find one person about his gender. The Bible is not very sure. I mean, why would God make it so difficult if it was to be the norm? Would God make anything difficult? No. So the question is not the office. The question is your heart. Do you have the heart for it? That's a simple question. Do you have the heart for it? Do you have the heart of a father? Do you have the heart of a shepherd? Do you have the heart of a mother? The ministry is yours. Ministry is yours. It's yours. There will be barracks. There will be men who will be leading. Generals will be leading. But you have the ear of God. And people will still come to you. Why? Because they look at your heart. Because you are a mother who rose in the land. And God is using you to push men. Raise up a generation of male leaders. So we have saved the, um, the hand, the, 
the cradle, no, what is that saying? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. It is true. It's Barak who's leading the army into battle, but which is the hand that rocks? It's Deborah's. It's Deborah's. And that's what it was meant to be. It was meant to be. And we look at it, we understand this is the way it is. And there is no, there is no other way. There's no other way. So we, God is not demeaning anybody, but God is saying, I specified things. I am the creator. This is the way I created you. Unless you come back to the roles I assigned you from the beginning, you will have no rest. You will have no job satisfaction. You will be always fighting. Always fighting. You will have no peace. You will be always miserable. And you will really not see success. Because you are never meant to be that. You are never meant to be that. So this morning, even as we go to pray, you know, if there has restoration taken place, men and women, have to take the rightful place. So there are actually two defined roles God has given. Men has fathers and women has mothers. And you don't have to bear a child for that. You just have to know that position. And those two positions are there. What is that? God has the role of a father and the Holy Spirit has the role of a mother. And Jesus has the ideal child. Has the ideal child. And that's what God is saying, you know. Lord, give me the heart of a father. Give me the heart of a father. And the women have to say, Lord, give me the heart of a mother. You don't have to birth. You go back to our promise, Isaiah 54 and verse 1 and 2, 3. You read it from 1, 2 and 3. We know 2 is here. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing, cry out aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Isn't that true? Let me ask you this question. Who has more children, a married woman or Mother Teresa? That's why she's called a mother. And she was a mother. You can't call her even sister. She was a mother. She was a genuine mother. She loved people like her own children. You know, she was a mother. And that's what God is talking about. That is, that is what is missing. That is what is missing. The mothers and the fathers have missed. You have single mothers, but they're not mothers. They're single women raising up children. They're not mothers. And wherever there was a single mother who was strong and godly, you look back, they raised powerful children. Powerful children. They raised very powerful children. They were very godly mothers who struggled and understood the man is gone. I need to raise up my family and I have to be distant. And that's what God is talking about. So we have to come back. We have to go back to the roles God assigned in the beginning to be a father, to be a mother, and then you have, and we'll have the ideal children like Jesus. Godly children will be raised up. And that's how the society is restored. And when we are talking about revival, we are not talking about economic prosperity. That doesn't come first. Doesn't come first. We are not talking about anything else first. The restoration, if it has to take place in a nation, it begins at the home. And begins in the church. And when the homes are restored, the church is restored. The churches will start influencing the society. The problem in U.S. is the church stopped speaking to the society. It's no longer a voice. The voice has been dulled. And now the world got into the church so powerfully into Laodicea. If Philadelphia starts to stand up, they're shouted down and they are cancelled. And God says, you stand there. Persevere. It's not one day or two days or three days. You have to persevere till the end. 
and I will give you your crown. Come baby, let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We know, Lord, the need of the hour is fathers and mothers will arise. Spiritual fathers and mothers. That every physical father and mother will become a true father and a mother in their heart. And I pray for every single parent out there in the world. As they struggle, you will give them a double portion. Because the world is full of single parents now, struggling to raise up children when one spouse, one parent is missing. And they need grace of both, Lord. Until the home is restored, a nation will never be restored. It cannot be restored. When the homes have collapsed, It doesn't matter how much money comes in, how prosperous we are, how many houses we own, our possessions, all these things mean nothing, Lord, will mean nothing. Restoration begins with the individual and the home, Lord. Therefore, we are praying, Father. We are praying for an awakening. We are praying for the move of God. If God has to fight this battle on behalf of his children, then the children have to come back to God and to his ways. Come back to God's ways. The first thing Israel did where they went wrong is they started marrying with the unbelievers, Lord. They broke their homes. When their homes were broken, they brought in the gods of their unbelieving spouses in. And then the kingdom collapsed. It all started with the home, Lord. Israel collapsed because the home collapsed. Because they brought the unbelieving one who did not believe in the covenant, the ways of God, the order of God, the roles assigned by God. They did not have the same values. They did not believe in any of those things. And we see, Father, that's where Israel began collapsing. And then they went wrong, headlong into captivity. The same thing is true, Lord, of every Christian nation. When the home collapsed, the nation started collapsing. Now they're held together, just held together with carnal principles, with fighting at every corner, no peace, sickness, disease, fighting within and without, everybody fighting for rights, Nobody knows what their responsibility is. Well, Deborah knew what her responsibility was. She knew she was a mother. She knew she had to gather Israel under her wings. She knew she had to rouse the sleeping men, the lazy men, the fearful men, brought them into war to battle and take their rightful place in life. she was successful she was successful Lord. and I pray if generation of mothers will arise oh father a generation of mothers will arise who will pray day and night 
who will stand in the breach, who will hear clearly from the Lord and he will be able to speak to the men. Go. The Lord has given it over. The Lord has given. The battle is yours. Victory has been guaranteed. God is with you. God is for you. Go fight. Oh, Father. That's the need of the hour, Lord. Strong women. Godly women. Who will hear from God and speak into our lives. But who will not supplant their men. But will stand side by side with them. Who will know I was ordained to be a helpmate. I will accompany you. You could have done this on your own. But I see you are weak. Therefore I will come with you. But it shouldn't be that way. Because God will be robbed of the honor. Not that the woman will receive the honor. God will not get his honor. God will lose his honor in this battle because it will go to a woman. If man had fought and won the honor, the honor would have gone to God. I pray, Lord, both the brothers and the sisters will understand this is about honor and about glory. And all glory belongs to you. All honor and dominion belongs to you. And we should not be the people, men, because of our fear, rob you of your honor. And women supplant men and rob God of his honor. Touch, Lord, touch. Touch, Lord, touch. We need praying women. We need godly women. And we need strong men who are not fearful at all. Who will not need a Deborah to speak. But will say I heard from the Lord. Deborah can you confirm it for me please. I know you hear from me. I heard from the Lord. I am going to battle. I want you to stay in the gap and pray for me until I return. That should have been Barak. That should have been the man of war. Saying Deborah I am going to war. Stand there and pray for the nation. Until I come back in victory. Pray, Father, your order will be restored in the home and in the church. And revival will break forth. And our children will be able to say, all our children are taught of the Lord. And great shall be their peace. And they shall come back from the enemy's land. They will contend with your enemies at your gate. And they shall triumph. They are like arrows in a mighty man's cure sharpened and polished and kept ready to be released into the world at the appointed time. Because there is a Deborah who has risen, who has awakened the spirit of man to fight for his home, for his children. And I pray as this revival breaks forth around the world, I pray, Lord, the men will go back home The women will return to their godly position. And these men will go back home. They will not be wandering stars. They will go back home and take responsibility of their homes and their children. And start leading their homes once again. Millions and millions of homes. These women are struggling. 
embracing rebellious children boys who are drug addicts girls who are walking on the streets because the man left the home there has to be a restoration lord it is not prosperity first it is home first it is not money and possessions it's children it is souls it is not building bigger houses and bigger barns and more acquisitions he said you fool don't you know your soul will be called to account today what happens to your possessions then the kingdom of god is about souls souls of men and women and children if there has to be a national restoration there has to be a national repentance because the streets of america has been flooded with the blood of innocent children unborn children riddled with the bodies of abused children boys and girls and women with drugs and sex and rape jesus, jesus. how could a nation turn and go that way now there is confusion in the kindergarten children do not even know what their gender is how could a nation go down so fast because their god handed them over into the hands of jabin and sisera there is a way out oh deborah ebek oh that the spirit that was upon deborah would awake the mothers the spirit that came upon barak would awake baraks they would become fearless and mighty at war that they would contend with the enemies of god the thief that comes to steal to kill to destroy our homes our families our churches because that is only two entities that matter to god our homes and our churches nothing else matters this whole world will be burned up in an instant all that will remain is the home and the church it was surrendered to god touch lord touch 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 lord let revival take place let an awakening take place let the sleeper arise and awaken to righteousness that's the call of god in his scripture awake to righteousness the right ways of god touch lord touch 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 today is a dark day day of rituals and occult and sorcery and much of the occult and sorcery is to destroy people and destroy homes but you have given us power over all the power of the enemy and we trample upon snakes and scorpions today that every occult every ritual every sorcery every witchcraft against your people and against your homes be canceled out in Jesus name every wrong idea be pulled down in Jesus name touch our young men and women lord that what they think has liberty is actually bondage 
and is leading them into more and more bondage. Jesus Let them know there is no liberty outside yes, the spirit Lord. of God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Deborah, because she was willing to follow Barak, was a free woman. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If she had chosen to lead, she would have been in bondage. Oh Lord, oh Lord. She used her gifts. She used her anointing. Hallelujah. To follow. Hallelujah. And not to take over. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. She knew it was not her role. Yes, 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 my God. To follow, to follow you, my God. And I pray men will arise. Yes, yes, yes. To righteousness, God. to godliness. Yes, my God. And take yes. their rightful place. Yes, my God. And lead their homes. Yes, my God. Yes. Lead yes. their homes. Yes, my God. Hallelujah. And women will arise and be that helpmate. Yes, Lord. Yes. Who will pray, who will hear. Yes. Women Lord. who will speak into the lives of their husbands. Hallelujah. And speak into their children's lives. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Where a husband will praise her at yes, the city gates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The children will arise and say, Hallelujah. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because Hallelujah. it's a woman who holds the nation together. Hallelujah. Because Hallelujah. she holds the home together. Hallelujah. And like Eve was deceived. He still goes around deceiving the women. Jesus. Because he knows if the woman can be deceived to leave her home, he's got a nation. To ignore oh our God. house, he's got a nation. Jesus. And if he got the men to relinquish their responsibilities, he's Jesus. got the nation. Jesus. The deception still works. Jesus. 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 It still works. Jesus. The only way back Jesus. is the right way. Yes, it is the right way. And I pray, Lord, oh, Lord. men and women will awaken to the oh, call of God. 